0: Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. We are nearing the halfway mark of the year, and it's been interesting and unexpected to say the least with the S&P 500 up 13 and a quarter of a percent on a year-to-date basis. So as we approach the midpoint and what is effectively a four-day long weekend, we're going to take stock on the markets and set up going into the second half of 2020 here today to discuss this with us glad to welcome jason Dreho, head of asset allocation for the americas with the ubs chief investment office jason welcome back and thank you for joining us for the cio strategy snapshot
1: good morning john happy monday it's good to be here as always
0: so, Jason, to get started, I want to point out in your recent blog that title is Halftime, which, by the way, is now available for our listeners and clients up on UBS.com slash CIO. Within the blog, Jason, you do indicate that markets are in a temporary consolidation phase as investors prepare for the holiday and assess the next direction for the markets. Can you clarify that for us? What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I think we need to put uh, where you know this in context. You know, the S&P 500 is up uh, 13.25%. So, uh, you know, as of Friday's close, uh, that sort of wasn't sort of the expectation for a lot of investors at the start of the year where they thought the first half of the year would be difficult. You know, on top of that, with net run, uh, from around middle of May or May 20th to mid-June, it was about a three-week stretch where the S&P 500 was also up 7.5%. So big moves and also like a big move, you know, pretty you know recently. So whenever you have that, some sort of kind of pause, consolidation, even maybe a little bit of a pullback is always, you know, is always a possibility. If we think about what's fueled the the run for the whole year to some extent, but also even the you know the more recent kind of seven and a half percent run in May, June, a lot of it was centered around rising expectations or hopes for a soft landing for the U.S. economy as growth continues to hold up. You know, resilience uh, is the word that we've all you know used quite a bit as inflation also comes down. Uh, So as the macro environment, at least the outlook for the macro environment is improved, that's been a market tailwind, and it's been turbocharged by the whole AI story this year of really gripping investors quite a bit. What we saw last week was, you know, this part of consolidation, a a bit of a pullback. You know, know, also kind of a reminder that this is not a done deal by any stretch that we get a soft landing. It's certainly one of the multiple scenarios that are on the table at this point in time. We had Central Bank last week. That were you know hawkish in response to the fact that things maybe aren't cooling down as much as they would like. Fed Chair Jay Powell in his congressional appearances, you know, reiterated that they expect to hike you know two more times or fifty basis points. We saw some other major central banks around the world hike last week more than expected. For example, the Bank of England hiked fifty basis points. The consensus was for twenty five. So and that's been sort of the tone across other major central banks aside from the Fed, which paused. Other ones either continue or actually resume, like the Bank of Canada. So there is those kind of challenges. Um, and you know, some companies that were reporting earnings last week just continue to decide that you know, it's still a difficult global environment. Uh, so you add it all up. Yes, there's rising expectations for soft landing, but we're certainly not you know, there, done um, there yet. And now as we come into the last week of the quarter, last week of the first half of this year, it's often time where you get you know, portfolio rebalancing adjustments. Portfolio reviews. That's going to add some, you know, some volatility to the marketplace, and then you factor in the fact that it will be a, you know, essentially a 40 long weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of people might not want to go into that, you know, with a lot of kind of risk on one way or, or another. Uh, but then it sort of sets up really what is a, um, you know, kind of the next direction for the market that will start to kind of kick in, you know, pretty you know, clearly, you know, thereafter once we kind of get past for the holiday. So I think we're we're kind of paused for a couple of weeks, and then we kind of, as soon as the second half of the year begins, kind of kick it into high gear again.
0: So, Jason, within the blog, you go on to mention rising hopes for a soft landing. So what can we expect from the data in the near term, and could that either validate those hopes or prove them misguided?
1: Well, there's the two key drivers, really, are what's going on with the labor markets, and is it continue to show strong job gains and minimal job losses? Uh, and then what happens with inflation? Uh On the former, what we – just the consensus expectations right now is that the June payrolls report that comes out on Friday, uh, July 7th is going to be another sort of around 200,000 new jobs, so another strong job print. Um, And even on on the more timely indicators in terms of weekly layoffs, they're still relatively contained, not much of an uptick, so that side of the economy continues to hold up well. And data we're getting on retail spending and other kind of activity indicators, you know, indicates, you know, kind of gradual decline, but still holding up reasonably well. So there's good expectation that the data that we get for June throughout July on the growth front is still going to be kind of, you know, pretty good. What I'm more focused on is what happens with inflation, in part because it's likely we're going to see big drops, at least in headline inflation, for June and then again in July when we get the data in uh, in early August. The last CPI print, we had inflation you know, come down, the headline number down to 4%. Consensus is right now expecting the number to come down to three point one percent for June. Uh, you know, core inflation is still a little more elevated, a little more sticky, you know, down closer to five percent. So again, you know, continue its downward trend, but not nearly as sort of big and chunky moves as we're seeing for the headline number. When we get the July data, I think it's around August twelfth, the headline CPI could be two and a half percent or less. So to put this in context, that'll be the lowest inflation print we've had basically since you know March of you know, 2021 before the inflation surge took place. So if that happens, even though core inflation could still be well above, you know, the level the fed wants and what therefore the markets kind of feel comfortable with, the headline numbers are going to be kind of coming down quite a bit. So for the broader public, it's not as in the weeds and all the different inflation breakdowns, the different details. Now, you know, suddenly the inflation problem can look somewhat kind of solved. And to me, like a good indication of that heading in that direction is if we take the University of Michigan kind of survey of households on a consumer sentiment. The one that came out uh, just over about 10 days ago showed that the consumer expectations for inflation in one year ahead was down to 3.3%. This is the lowest level of that indicator since March of 2021. So even the, the kind of the households are basically saying, we think inflation is coming down. And looking ahead, it's much more moderate. You know, It's volatile, but if we get a couple more prints of around 3% or then like 2.5%, it's quite possible that indicator could be less than three percent as we get it in mid August. So again, if that's kind of expectations have come down, that also makes it kinda of easier to sort of drag down you know the rest of inflation with it. All that sort of suggests is certainly a scenario by far not guaranteed, but of the of investors believing the soft landing is not just, you know, possible but becoming maybe almost more the base case. Now and the market's kinda of moving to kind of you know, price that in. So this is, you know, would also help, you know, the market with the, kind of the Fed, which right now the, the market expectation is the Fed's going to only hike one more time, despite what the Fed is saying in terms of two more hikes. So the next, I'd say, six weeks or so or eight weeks could further tip the scales towards a soft landing, which doesn't mean it could happen. This could all be a bit of a head fake. If you get slowed down later in the year, inflation could still get sticky. But from a market kind of dynamic The risk, to me, feels like more like it becomes more a consensus view that we get a soft landing if the data kind of comes in as expected, Um, but time will tell on that front.
0: So, Jason, something else from your blog I want to bring up. You do go on to mention that one of the more notable market events the past couple of weeks is the IPO by Kava. So can you elaborate on that for us, provide some background, why that's so significant?
1: Well, first, for, for those who don't know, Kava is a fast food chain. It's like a fast casual, uh, specialized in sort of Mediterranean cuisine. I think they have around 30 or 300 locations across the country. They uh, went public um, and did their IPO on June 14th. Uh, they priced the shares for the IPO at $20. Now they're traded around 40 which means their stock price has popped basically after the IPO 80%. You know, average IPO might jump, it's practically up about 15%, you know, in that first couple of days. So this 80%, this is, you know, kind of what we were getting a few years ago during the frothiness of the markets. Now, if you have to put this IPO in context, you know, for about a year and a half, the IPO market has been pretty dormant. Uh, You know, something last year, at the start of this year, it's, it's been a challenge because the investor interest in taking risk, especially in kind of companies that are going public, that hasn't been there. Uh, also, once the interest rates are on higher, that certainly hit a lot of companies that are could be IPO candidates because you know they don't make a lot of money now at all. So you're kind of paying for future earnings, and if you have a high interest rates, you know you'd kind of lower those value, lower that quite a bit um, less. So dormant market, this kind of company goes public, its share prices pop. Uh, I think this is important as it just engage for the overall market sentiment because IPOs, you know, are in the IPO activity, how much volume there is how well they're kind of pricing and popping on the first day It's a pretty good sentiment for investor interest overall. And to me, this reaction to Kava is sort of a sign that investors are certainly kind of seeking growth stories. They're willing to take you know, risk some sort of you know, kind of speculative risk. You add that to the whole AI dynamic that's taking place this year where investors are seeking those opportunities to play AI, look for the next growth story. To me, it tells me that there's maybe some more tailwind to the AI story, even though Kava is not AI at all just that there is investors looking for that next big thing, that thing that can really kind of grow. If that's the case, even though sentiment has definitely improved a lot, positioning hasn't fully caught up. And that kind of all else kind of to me creates a bit of a bias where this tailwind from – a sentiment perspective that's been building momentum that can continue on in the second half of this year.
0: Definitely an interesting consideration. So, Jason, if we bring this all together for the market outlook as investors prepare for the second half, what should they think about doing with respect to asset allocation?
1: Well, we titled our second half outlook balancing act. Uh, I made the point that for equities to go higher after this really strong run for the, the first half of the year, a lot of things kind of have to go right. You know, you need the Fed to not hike, you know, more than what the market is pricing, which is about 25 basis points. You need the data, can you come in that's consistent with a soft landing? Certainly possible, but not a guarantee. Uh, And this AI story that's been kind of driving, certainly the big tech stocks higher, have sort of links to it. I mean, it doesn't kind of unwind, that there's sort of momentum that will continue on, you know, for the time being. You know, those things are kind of all necessary conditions, we think, for the markets to go a lot higher. But if any one of them sort of unwinds or, or other factors kind of materialize, then the markets could certainly, you know, you know, pull back. So the risk rewards queue for equities at the market level overall doesn't feel particularly kind of compelling at this point in time. Uh, that kind of feeds into then sort of what our two key messages are of for our, like a message in focus for our host view. you. Know, there's seven of them, but I'd focus on two of them, a particular kind of this overall messaging. One is that, you know, to kind of buy quality bonds, you know, you can get it for their yield right now, as yields are backed up but also kind of for a portfolio shield, you know, in case, you know, the kind of growth doesn't materialize as investors expect in cases. of, sort of the, the soft landing is isn't playing out and the Fed has to hike more and we see sort of downside for equities, you might actually see, you know, rates fall in that case and provide that portfolio protection and diversification that they didn't do at all last year, but have actually doing a decent job for the past four or five months. The second key message and focus is to look for those equity laggards if we do get a soft landing or at least the market believes that's a possibility over the next couple of months, you know, what's going to perform well probably are the things that have lagged this year, you know, cyclical stocks, things that are more value oriented, uh, you know, the, uh, maybe even kind of small caps, um, you know, they, they kind of catch up to the seven kind of magnificent seven that have done very, very well. And really have kind of re- re- been responsible for most of the market performance this year. So looking for those laggards that hedges you if things get better at the same time, a lot of those stocks are already kind of priced for, you know, a more significant cyclical slowdown than large-cap you know, tech stocks. So it's a nice kind of way to kind of balance also some of the buy-quality bonds in terms of diversifying for, for different scenarios. Uh, and one of the ways we'd like to play that is looking at sort of an equal-weighted index for the S&P hundred, that's less concentrated in those big you know, tech stocks that have really driven the markets you know, higher this year. So those are a couple of the key messages uh allows us to kind of you know, balance out and maybe, you know, be positioned for different you know, scenarios as we move into the second half of this year. Uh, but for the next week or so, until we get to the holiday, it might be more a little bit of sort of choppy sideways action, more technically driven than fundamentally driven until we get those news data points that could be the catalyst for the market either kind of grinding higher – we're ultimately pulling back at least a little bit of sort of consolidation phase.
0: Jason, thank you for joining us here on Top of the Morning Today to set up the next couple of weeks, as well as the second half of 2023. As mentioned, we'll see what transpires over the next couple of weeks, as we will have the 4th of July holiday here in the U.S., and we'll look forward to regrouping with our CIO Strategy Snapshot conversation in a couple of weeks on July 10th. So looking forward to catching back up again with you soon, Jason, though Thank you again for your time and insights today. Appreciate it.
1: You're welcome, and have a great week, and have a great holiday weekend to you and everyone, all our listeners.
0: Likewise. Thank you, Jason. Again, today we have been joined by Jason Dreho, the head of asset allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Again, I do want to point out that Jason has been making reference to his most recent blog. That title is Halftime, available now up on UBS.com/slash CIO. Though for clients of UBS, you can, of course, contact your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of Jason's blog directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.